Ladies and gentlemen, drivers, gig workers, and everyone in between, welcome to This Week in Rideshare Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Hoffa. It is Friday, January 20th, 2023, and this week, lawmakers join drivers, IDG fights deactivations, and Uber teams up with car makers. Legal Rideshare breaks it down. And as always, from Legal Rideshare, I'm joined by co-founder and lead attorney, Brian Greening. Brian, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Jared. Good to have another week with you. Yeah, we got this. Is we got a few uh, Chicago stories, so it hits, it hits home this week. So let's, let's get right to it. So we're going to start with Monday. Uh, Colorado drivers are teaming up with lawmakers to fight for better working conditions. Now, this is from the Denver Post, and they reported, quote, Rideshare and delivery drivers in Colorado and across the nation appear to be nearing a breaking point. Um, we've talked about this before, but a recent study found that Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash drivers in the state made only $5.49 per hour after expenses. Now, this is one-third of Denver's minimum wage. Now, the good news is Stephanie Vigil, a Colorado Springs Democrat, in November, she won a seat in the House of Representatives, making for the first time, as she said, that a gig app driver was elected to the state legislature. So a member of the Colorado Independent Drivers United, which is a union that represents rideshare and delivery drivers, um, which she's part of, Vigil said it's time for Colorado to rethink how these tech companies are regulated. Um, and she's already discussing, um, you know, regulations and, and helping drivers out. And it's great coming from someone who she herself was a driver. Yeah, you know, it's about time that there's some representation um, in the gig economy, uh, you know, among the lawmaker community. Um, we need somebody who has walked in their shoes, you know, driven in their seats, um, who understands the plight of the rideshare driver and the gig worker. Um, we've seen over the years that uh, life has gotten harder and harder. When Uber and Lyft first came out, drivers were making a lot of money. It was a good job, and it was a job that you could feel comfortable uh, raising a family, keeping a roof over your head. Um, and now, as we see in Colorado and nationwide, drivers are barely making ends meet. I mean, how can you live on $5.49 per hour? Um, th there needs to be change, and I'm just really glad to see that there's somebody um, who can give uh, the gig economy a voice in a, in a powerful place. Yeah, and that's we, we discussed it so many times before. It really is the grassroots where change is made. And this is a really um, good sign that, look, someone, like you said, is literally in the driver's seat who understands, who's now in a position of power to go, look, you know, when Uber and Lyft say, no, drivers actually make $37 an hour, you know, I can tell you personally that's completely false. Um, and I think that's really what needs to happen around the country. And it's it's good at starting here, which is which is awesome. Um, all right, let's head off into Tuesday. Hertz and Uber dropped 25,000 EVs in Europe. Now, this is from Electric, Electric reported, quote, Hertz and Uber announced today that they are expanding their partnership to electrify their fleets and they are deploying 25,000 electric cars in Europe. Now, Hertz has confirmed that nearly 50,000 Uber drivers have already rented a Tesla through this program. Obviously, they're saying the deal will significantly increase the number of electric vehicles, uh, which is hoping 
to bring them closer to their goal of only operating with EVs by the end of the decade. Um, I will say it's this this program, at least in the U.S. as well, and obviously in Europe, it seems to be benefiting the drivers. Now, tell me if I'm wrong, Brian, but it seems to be kind of a good thing. I agree. I think it's good for everybody. Uh, you know, the drivers are benefiting. They're having access to nice new vehicles that keep uh, gas costs low um, so they can spend more time on the road and fewer of their own dollars um, keeping their cars going. Um, it's good for the passenger. I, I have personally enjoyed driving around in a, a Tesla multiple times. Um, it, it, you know, it's it's kind of fun. It's new. Um, and it's good for the environment. So to see the rideshare companies uh, putting their money where their mouth is and, um, you know, putting more of these vehicles um, on the road, you know, like I said, I think it's just a positive thing for all players involved. What I've noticed, you know, from a lot of these articles and um with the regulations and sort of these demands. I have noticed when it comes to Uber dealing with Europe, they seem to take it a little bit more seriously and they seem to always step up the plate when they need to, even if they push back like they always do. Um, I know we're trying to do something similar here, but you're not seeing it get as much, as much ground or get, you know, much movement on the ground as in Europe. And again, I think it's truly just based on the regulations. I, I don't know if I'm incorrect on that, Brian, if you could chime and let me know. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on. Um, Europe has shown some teeth when it's come to regulating rideshare companies and gig companies. You saw London, um, you know, took away Uber's license to operate for a period of time, and that really hurts. You know, when when the company loses access to a major market, it forces them to act uh, to act right, and it also sets a precedent where the legislators can come in down the road and say, look, we've taken away your right to operate before and we'll do it again. So you better play ball. Um, and I think showing a little teeth um, is a good thing and it, it should be a playbook for lawmakers and governments here. Right, right, which is good news. All right, we'll head off into Wednesday, probably the most uh, talked about topic in rideshare and gig work, deactivations. And there's some good news uh, about drivers in Chicago uh, proposed ordinance in Chicago may give deactivated drivers a second chance. This is from Chicago Sun-Times. They reported, quote, drivers who work for Uber, Lyft, and other ride-hailing and food delivery apps would be guaranteed the right to appeal before being stripped of their livelihoods under a proposal which is championed by retiring alderman uh, Susan Garza. She was the chairman of the city council's committee on workforce development and this is also at the behest of the Independent Drivers Guild of Illinois, which we know very well. The proposed ordinance calls for creating a so-called driver resource center to give drivers a forum to present their side of the story. So basically, if the deactivation appeals panel rules a false accusation was made, well, then deactivated drivers would be compensated for their lost wages plus 9% interest. Now, we could talk about this topic all day. Um, but definitely exciting, definitely good news for drivers. Yeah, th Like you said, this is one of the top, top stories that we hear about. Um, drivers call us all the time asking about deactivations or you know, complaining about false accusations. And all that people want is a chance to appeal. They want due process. They want their side of the story heard and taken seriously. And I really don't think that's too much to ask for. Um, you know, one of the issues with the independent contractor status is that uh, 
you do give up a lot of employment rights. And we've seen the rideshare and gig companies take advantage of that when it comes to discharging uh, drivers. Um, drivers put their whole lives into the hands of the rideshare companies, um, their livelihood, their ability to put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. And then one day the rideshare company gets a complaint and totally pulls the rug out from underneath the driver, leaving them with zero recourse, no job, and, and really helpless. Um, so what we're seeing in Chicago and what we've seen in other cities around the country is drivers are saying enough is enough. And we're seeing uh, lawmakers uh, agree. And with that comes progress. So hopefully in Chicago, our friends at IDG are able to get this pushed through and, and create a better uh, more fair work environment for gig workers. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope so because th there's nothing more devastating than when a driver does the right thing on a ride, has you know video proof to prove it, and then gets deactivated because that passenger was mad that the driver was following the rules. I mean, isn't that the whole point is to be safe? And you know, we hear this all the time. You've you personally, Brian, have probably taken hundreds of these calls. And it's so hard to fight back against these gig companies. So for something like this to pass, you know, we're all, you know, we've been on Team IDG for a long time. So definitely hope something happens soon. Uh, and let's head off into Thursday. Um, a little bit of a, a give and take here. Uber drivers in Tanzania got some unfortunate news. Now, this is from TechCrunch. They reported, quote, barely a year after Tanzania capped the commissions that e-hailing firms like Uber and Bolt charge their partners at 15%, the authority in charge has backtracked the order, basically taking away the driver's prospect of increasing the earnings. And it went back up to 25% as effective last Sunday um, after they uh, issued a notice on December 30th. So basically... Uber and its main rival in Europe, Bolt, halted some of their services in April last year, claiming that reducing the commission on partners would dent their earnings. But however, the reduced fee meant increased incomes for drivers who have in the past, like their counterparts in Kenya, protested poor earnings. So basically, having that lower percentage allowed drivers to potentially make more. And now they're saying, sorry, we're taking it back to how it used to be. Good luck. Yeah, you know, it's discouraging on many fronts. First, you know, we want to see drivers keep more of the money. That goes without saying. They're, you know, the rideshare companies find many ways to profit, and the rideshare dri drivers need to, you know, be able to make a, a living wage and and survive. Um, but I, I think the bigger point that I'm seeing here is just the inconsistency. Drivers have to know what they're going to be earning when they enter this market and the fact that it keeps fluctuating going from one percentage to another and who knows what's going to happen next year or in the six six months thereafter how do you plan as a worker if you don't know what you're going to be able to earn so i i think this is just an example of how the rideshare companies continue to um you know not be transparent in terms of what drivers are going to earn uh, governments seem to be inconsistent in whether they're going to support the driver or the company. Um, we just need some consistency. Tell people what they can count on so that they can survive. I mean, that's a really good point. I never really thought of it. Even just, I, you know, it's, I always looked at it as the sense of like, well, this is, 
it's unfortunate this is happening, but you, you make a really good point of they, they can't even rely on what they're supposed to rely on as facts. And this is, this is how it's going to be. And here's how the regulations are going to be. It's up and down. I can't imagine, you know, you're a personal injury attorney. I can't imagine if you were dealing with a case and the insurance company just in the middle said, you know what? Well, we changed our policy in the middle of this, of this case. I have a feeling there'd be repercussions if they did that. Yeah, there's most of these these payment structures are based on contracts. You know, there's terms of services that are signed off on by on the drivers, and they lay out how the terms are expected to work. And and now all of a sudden, those terms are going to be amended. Um, so again, it goes back to the the independent contractor status, in, in a large part, you if you're an independent contractor, the company can make up the rules. And they can change the terms of the agreement whenever they want. If there were better driver protections and perhaps an employment status, it would be much harder to do that. So Uber and Lyft and Bolt and whoever you want to talk about, the reason why they are able to change the rules as often as they can and to amend the the policies and procedures solely to benefit their bottom line, it's because they they put the drivers in an independent contractor status and their entire business structure is based on that. So until that changes, until governments require uh, certain levels of baseline protection, we're going to see more of this happening. Right. Which is just so unfortunate. And as we always say, it's, it's just fight back, fight back at any level you can. That seems to be the way to go. All right. So we're going to end this week here on Friday here, Uber teams up with car makers, to design rideshare-friendly EVs. Now, this is from Engadget. They reported, quote, Uber's chief or CEO told guests at Wall Street at a Wall Street Journal event that his firm is now teaming up with car manufacturers to design EVs with ride-sharing and deliveries in mind. So his idea for rideshare cars will ideally have lower top speeds to reduce costs, as well as passenger seats that face each other to promote conversation. Delivery vehicles, meanwhile, might have two or three wheels to help navigate city streets, but loads of chunk space. Now, he didn't say which automakers were involved or really provide a timeline when these optimized EVs might be ready. Um, All I can say is (laughs) I think that's a better step than throwing uh, autonomous vehicles on the road. (laughs) That's that's my opinion. (laughs) I agree. Second, I, I, I agree with that. You know, we've talked about EVs earlier in the the segment, and, and my same thoughts apply here. But I, I think uh, that it's pretty cool that they're looking to design the vehicles to um, benefit the the driver and to benefit the you know the experience. So you know to create more trunk space for delivery workers, great. To uh, enhance the the way that the vehicles are um, created or set up so that drivers have fewer expenses and passengers have a better experience, awesome. You know, I, I, I think this is, uh, you know, one of the times where we're seeing uh, some of the greatest minds in tech um, use them for good. Um, so so yeah. I'm, uh, I, I'm happy to see it. Yeah, you know, I was pretty skeptical when an Uber and Lyft started announcing their rental programs. But I've talked to a lot of drivers and they're pretty happy with it. So this could kind of be, like you said, a way for them not to be destroying their own cars it's optimized for the for what they're supposed to do. When we know ev- with literally every every quarter mile you go counts. 
Um, so this could end up being a really good thing. So that's actually, it's kind of exciting to see where this progresses. Now, again, we've seen in the past Uber launch things and pull them back. And he's also not giving any hard dates. So it's really just a matter of if he's really going to do it or not, really. Yeah, well, fingers crossed. You know, we drivers rely on their cars. Their cars are their tools. And um, here's hoping that that this is an opportunity to have the best tool out there to uh, to maximize earnings and, and uh, keep people moving. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to give you the floor before we sign off here, Brian, as always. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just, again, reminding everybody about Legal Rideshare. We are the, the first law firm in the United States that's entirely focused on gig worker accident and injury claims. Um, if you're involved in an accident, please call us immediately so that we can help uh, arm you with the information that you need to protect yourself, to recover uh, lost wages, uh, the medical expenses, pain and suffering, uh, whatever other damage that you may sustain. Um, our consultations are always free, meaning it costs nothing to talk to me. Um, and you know, we, we uh, are always available to, to help you out. So um, legalrideshare.com, uh, you can call us, uh, email us, social media, you name it. We, uh, we're happy to respond. That we are. <laughs> and as I like <laughs> to say, that is the end of this week in Rideshare. See you next week. <laughs>